0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. And how about you guys getting it early? Well, there's a reason for that. I spent Thursday at the, I guess it's the Christmas Village in Tupelo. There at the Tupelo Furniture Market. I was there from 10.30-ish to 9 o'clock tonight. And I'll be back on Friday from 10 to 5. And then I'll be at Bancor South Center raising a fist to the gods of rock is Ace Frehley and Alice Cooper play a show so i wanted to get this show done tonight before i got in bed it's a busy day on friday but i wanted to make sure we got this thing done i don't want to rush it and so here we are so happy maroon friday to you wherever you are today i hope you're wearing maroon you should always be proud to wear maroon it's who we are it signifies our unity i'll be wearing maroon today too that's a plan anyway that's a plan got a chance to meet so many of you out in tupelo on thursday a lot of excitement about the new book got an update for you on that as well don't have the the actual release date however we're in pre-flight right now a couple things left for them to do and then you know then it, it goes into production and then we'll have it so sooner rather than later if you haven't done so, and let me, I shared this with people tonight in Tupelo. If you want to guarantee it, you're going to get a copy of Dog Pile before Christmas. You need to order to dogpilethebook.com. And several of you have. A lot of people tonight said, hey, I'll just wait and get it, you know, in December. Well, there's no guarantee. I'm, I'm just going to tell you this because of the supply chain issues and the fact that they're not going to be able to complete our full order until after christmas if you want to ensure that you get one of these books for christmas you need to pre-order through this website because there's a good chance that we'll sell out the vendors will sell out before christmas now i know many of you have said you know what i'm going to get that for the bulldog in my life or the bulldogs in my life and so i'm telling you based on everything that I'm hearing to ensure that you get a signed and or personalized copy of Dogpile the book of our championship season you need to pre-order Now, of course you can get one later you can get one in the spring you can come to a game day signing or something like that and and I'm happy to sign it for you but if you want it under the Christmas tree if you want Santa to bring it to the little munchkins in your life you need to act today and pre-order that book dogpilethebook.com and while you're there you get a lot of these questions too you can get everything else there too you can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs we sold several copies of Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs and sold some Flim Flam to uh, some old Miss people so I don't know if they really know what it says or what it's about but here's what I do know is that their husbands are going to be all excited on Christmas morning and are going to open up that package and it's going to be Merry Christmas for me I'll be the Grinch and still Christmas again but I think deep down, you know they want to read it. You know they do, especially since they're winning now, right? They want to go. But let's just go back and read it now, if you're not so angry anymore. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, many of you are, sold several copies of those over the weekend. You can find that through your local bookstore or Amazon.com, BooksAMillion.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Some big news out of Starkville here uh, on in the last 24 hours. The illustrious president of mississippi state university mark keenum has had his contract extended for four more years out to 2025 now in his 13th year dr mark keenum has served this university with dignity and class he has increased our endowment he has increased our enrollment i submit to you best president of my lifetime at mississippi state dr keenum also a bulldog He wants Mississippi State to do well. It's not just a job for him. And to kind of prove that, too, here's some cool things about Dr. Keenum maybe you don't know. Number one, Dr. Keenum didn't ask for a raise. He deserves one, but he didn't get one. Didn't request one. And so here's what's going to happen with his new contract. He's going to be paid $400,000 a year from the state of Mississippi. In addition to that, there'll be $400,000 paid through the foundation. So that's going to be an annual salary, I guess, of $800,000 if the math works there. And I think it does. I was educated in South Mississippi, so don't hold that against me. But, uh, you know, the, despite the fact that uh, Mark Keenum didn't ask for more money, they gave him more money. And here's what he's going to do. This is the thing that I think it says a lot about Dr. Mark Keenum. It again, shows the, that Mississippi State is in great hands. So last week, as his contract was being considered by the IHO board, Dr. Keenan wanted to make sure that some things were known. And I quote, if I fulfilled the obligation set forth in the provision, it would be my request that the Foundation Board of Directors, after determining an appropriate amount, use a majority, if not all, of this incentive for scholarships. While I know any possible action on the retention incentive item is several years away, I wanted you all to know of my desire to make this investment in our students. I appreciate the fact the Board of Trustees wants to see the strong momentum we have at Mississippi State continue in the years to come. I also appreciate the confidence they have placed in me and look forward to continuing to work with them and all of our many stakeholders. That's outstanding. Now, of course, the Foundation Board of Directors are the ones that came up with the additional $400,000. So rather than pocket that money, rather than blow it at a casino, rather than get a bunch of tattoos, Dr. Keenum says, you know what? I don't need that scratch. Take that money and invest it in more scholarships for our students. Not our student athletes, our students. Now, that's one of the things that I think you can respect. Not only is the guy giving great leadership, he's giving back to Mississippi State. And one of the things, too, when we got Dr. Mark Keenum, we also got Rhonda Keenum. So it was kind of like we got a power couple sitting there in the president's mansion on campus, And I don't know that there's anybody out there that can argue against the fact that Mississippi State is headed in a very positive direction. Now, yeah, there's ups and downs in athletics, but when you begin to think about you know, your alma mater, your school of choice, your team of choice, I don't think that there's an argument can be made that Mississippi State is not headed in a very positive direction. You know, one of the things that impressed me the most about Dr. Mark Keenum... Um, and, and I heard this, so you know, I got a chance to take the recruiting trip you with know, my oldest daughter and uh, who will graduate this spring as a computer engineer. Very, very, very proud of her. Matter of fact, it's her birthday weekend. So if, you're, if you know my daughter Audrey, please tweet her or text her and tell her happy birthday. Friday is her birthday. She came by and dropped off uh, my grand dog with me to take care of while she celebrates with her friends this weekend. But I digress. But I took that trip, you know, got a chance to see some parts of Mississippi State that I was unfamiliar with. You know, and to be honest with you, at the time, Audrey was uh, leaning towards going to Southern Miss. And a lot of that, too, is not necessarily an indictment on Mississippi State by any stretch of the imagination. But this is where Dad lives. Dad lives here, so it's like, hey, I want to kind of get out on my own and kind of be independent and have some freedom, and I respect it. So she was going to go to Southern Miss. My mom is 30 minutes down the road in Columbia Miss, right there on Highway 98. I got some good friends down there that uh, in the hospitality industry that said, hey, you know what, she's got a job as long as she wants it. So it was all taken care of. You know, Grandma's down the road, so if you just need somebody to go love on you a little bit, you can go see her. You got a job lined up, got a full scholarship. And the Southern Miss people, I'll be honest with you, when we went to that visit down there, I was absolutely amazed. When we uh, had a chance to go to the Honors College, at, like we're halfway through the regular tour, right? And they come up and said, hey, Audrey has uh, you know, another tour after this. So we go to the Honors College, and everybody in the Honors College was in the lobby waiting for her, and then they all clapped. Knew her by name, I was blown away. And then one day, I'm sitting here at home, And I get a text from Audrey that says, you know, hey, Dad, I think God wants me at Mississippi State. I can't imagine not going to Pine Lake. I've made so many great friends here in Starkville. So next thing I know, she's meeting with Dr. Mark Keenum. Mark Keenum, as busy as he is, took some time to meet with Audrey and said, hey, we want you to be a bulldog. Gave her a cowbell. We took the tour. And one of the things that I learned during that tour was some things, a dream of Dr. Mark Keenum's to help Mississippi State do their best to try to curtail world world hunger. That rather than continuing to kind of ship supplies to some of the recess and remote countries in Africa, he goes, hey, why don't we breed and cultivate a fish that can be self-replenishing in those waters in Africa? Now, I don't know if we have achieved that goal yet or not, but I admire the ingenuity of one Mark Keenum to say, you know what, Let, rather than put a Band-Aid on the problem, let's find a permanent solution to the issue. Let's try to end world hunger. It's incredible. And so I want a guy that has that type of vision, not just for Mississippi State as an, you know, an institute of higher learning, but as a research university that can bring real and meaningful change to the world. And again, I'll never forget the fact that Dr. Mark Keenum took time out of his schedule to sit a young college-bound student down and said, hey, listen, I understand you want wanting to go to Southern Miss. We want you here at Mississippi State. We weren't 10 seconds out of the office. And Audrey says, Daddy, I'm going to be Mississippi State Bulldog. I'm going to be a Bulldog. Now, of course, when her younger sister, Mia, when and when she was going through, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be proud dad here for a minute, you know, she had opportunities all over the country. And, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, my daughter, Mia Robertson, who I love dearly, love both of my girls with all that I have, she's won back-to-back national championships. She's actually won three national titles for Mississippi State University with speech and debate. I've talked about that some time on the show before. And right now she's ranked number one in the country Again but she could have gone anywhere to college and she said you know daddy i don't know where i'm going to law school but i want to be a mississippi state alumnus i want mississippi state's brand on me wherever i go i want to be a bulldog and so there wasn't a lot of you know discussion to be made about all that and and, and she got recruitment letters from everywhere i think a 32 a 33 on the act a perfect 4.0 student. I mean, she's brilliant, if I do say so myself, but I also have the documentation to back it up. And shortly after she enrolled, I got a phone call from Rhonda Keenum. And she says, you know, Steve, we have have valued her as much as we have a five-star football recruit. Now, the Keenums don't owe that to me. It's just who they are. And so when I think about some of the things that happen at other institutes of higher learning around the country, I mean, you read about, you know, there's all this malfeasance and things like that. I know in my heart and in my soul that Mississippi State has exactly who we need to have in the president's office. And that I know that the Keenum family is leading Mississippi State in a very positive direction. And again, those are some things that, uh, you know, Mark Keenum and Rhonda Keenum they didn't really put it on facebook you know they didn't go out there and make some release they did those things out of the kindness of their heart because they want the best students to be at mississippi state and i can tell you this that both of my girls are extremely proud to be mississippi state students and they will pay their own my dues and they'll be bulldogs forever and it is uh the dream i think of every father you know, for their kids to to attend Mississippi State and not just to attend, but to have a great experience. I don't just mean socially, but a great educational experience. I cannot say enough about the experience my girls have had at Mississippi State. I've got got a young man that will be enrolled in Mississippi State here in about 18 months. And so I share these things with you, even though they are of a personal nature, not to shine any light on the fact that, you know, my girls – have done well at mississippi state but to show you that we have an administration that cares about all students does mark Keenum care about football you know he does he was a junior college player loved mississippi state football his whole life but you know it's not just about football it's about everybody and at the same time too this is one of the things too when when mia you know got ready to enroll at mississippi state i had some people that said you know I can't wait to see what Mississippi State does for her. And without a moment's hesitation, I said, you know what? I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what she does for Mississippi State. And so it has been an incredible experience, and it is one of the proudest moments of my life as a father to to tell you that both of my girls have done exceptionally well at Mississippi State. And uh, Audrey, uh, of course, registered for her final semester of of classes and uh, called me crying on the phone because it's about to be over. It's about to be over. She's going to go into the workforce. And she will go into the workforce incredibly equipped and incredibly well trained because of this great engineering department that we have at Mississippi State. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. We are a great people representing a great university in all facets. Let's take some time to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I plan to be there once I get back from Nashville. I'll be uh, headed to Nashville on Saturday, of course. We'll spend the weekend there and watch the Titans and the Chiefs play. Excited about that, man, aren't you? The Bulldog Burger Company, like I, I tell people, you know, it's one of the places that I feel most at home. And I've been there a lot. I've ate there a lot. You know, we had the Bulldog Burger Challenge, the Boneyard Bulldog Challenge. We did that a while back. A few years ago, and like once a week, I would go eat a different hamburger and come back and give you a review. And then some other of our fans went and did it too. You can't go wrong at Bulldog Burger Company. You just can't. I've never had a bad meal there. I've never had a bad experience there. I've never had a bad server there. It's always top shelf. And it's because of the fact that it's owned by a, a company that has served the Golden Triangle so well for so many years. And now Bulldog Burger Company has expanded Brand new location there, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridgewood-Flowwood area. Of course, the original, the flagship right here on University Drive in Start Vegas. And then, of course, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. A friend, Bo Lacey, hit me up and he goes, hey, next time you're up here, let's go to Bulldog Burger Company in Tupelo. I'm glad that people equate me with them because they are quality. You'll be glad you went in there and checked them out. Have the spring rolls for dinner. Have them as an appetizer. You'll be glad you did it. It'll get you going. Then have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Top it off with some bread pudding or a chocolate shake to go. There's a winner all the way around. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. I know one of the burning questions on your mind is, what is the health of one Will Rogers, Mississippi State starting quarterback Will Rogers? Well, I've confirmed again today, Will Rogers practiced. I was informed on uh, Tuesday practice Wednesday you know we get there for media opportunities and while we're waiting for the coaches to show up look out there and there's Will Rogers in the regular green jersey like the rest of the quarterbacks throwing football around and so do I think he's 100% no I don't is he close enough yeah I think so so yeah as I mentioned on Monday we do expect him to play don't believe this is a serious injury again again not expect him to be 100% but one of the things that I think it's important to understand, too, is, you guys, Will Rogers is a very, very tough kid. I had somebody share with me today, you know, he's got a lot of the same attributes as John Bond. You know, that he is the leader, wants to be the leader. And I was told privately that late in that ball game against the University of Alabama last week, that Will's walking up down the sidelines before we take an offensive possession telling everybody, hey, we're fixing to go put one in the end zone. Now, we didn't but I want a guy that believes that I don't want a guy that's quit I mean if we had a quitter at quarterback we'd lost a Louisiana Tech game if we had a quitter at quarterback we'd probably lose a Texas A&M game and so while there are some things that Will Rogers can do better there are some intangibles with him that I think are immeasurable and if people say well you know Steve his arm strength is you know, maybe not elite, you know, that's probably fair In this offense, I don't know that it always has to be. there are times he's let some balls hang up on him, and there are some times that some some coverages has confused him. Alabama really got to him a little bit. But at the end of the day, Will Rogers is a winner. You know, Dak Prescott's a winner, too. You know, Dak Prescott didn't necessarily have elite arm strength either when he got here. That was the big thing. I don't know. You know, his accuracy's not good. I'm not saying that Will Rogers is going to develop into an NFL quarterback. But I do think Will Rogers' best college football days are ahead of him. The guy's going to be going to rewrite the record books, and yes, that's a product of the system. But that's the thing that I always kind of laugh about a little bit is you, even some of our fans, you know, they say, "Hey, you know, Steve, yeah, it's a product of the system." Well, you know what? So was KJ Costello. KJ Costello played in the same offense, and you know what? Nobody ever doubted KJ Costello's arm strength, but the results speak for themselves. So if it's just a, a a fact that he's a product of the system, why didn't KJ Costello continue to set records? Because long before he got hurt, he was struggling in the system. And this is a veteran, this is a senior, a guy that had an NFL grade on him. And so now we make a change. And let's not forget, this time last year, many of you, including myself, were clamoring for a quarterback change and say, hey, let's put the kid in there. Let's put in Will Rogers. And what does he do? He leads Mississippi State to a win over Vanderbilt. It's a closer ball game than it had to be. We got off to a great start, and then we kind of went in a lull a little bit. And so that's the thing that I think about sometimes. It's like we get so you know, caught up in all this stuff, and it's like I've shared many times that you know, the most beloved player on our campus is the backup quarterback, and it kind of always has been. And to be honest with you, Will Rogers is without a doubt our best option at quarterback. And I've read some things, and I hear some things. and Sometimes I think, well, maybe I don't have any sources. Maybe maybe I maybe I'm just going to practice, you know, during the fall camps, and you know, maybe I'm going to media opportunities. Maybe it's all just for show. Because apparently there's some other people out there to say, you know, well, this kid's not doing well, and you know, that's not what my people tell me. You know, and it's just like, well, you know, we're seeing the same thing we saw in camp, and it's you know, you didn't you didn't see it in camp because you didn't go. You know, Will Rogers. For better or for worse, you know, it's a guy that is playing before he's ready. And the same guy that you guys praised against Texas A&M the same guy, you know, you kind of, you know, shamed a little bit after Alabama. And I've, I've said on this show twice this week already, you can't make an objective evaluation of Will Rogers or Mississippi State against Alabama. You just can't. Not to mention a very refocused Alabama that understood they had no margin for error. And the fact that they cooked up a brand new defense to try to confuse us a little bit—something they hadn't shown on film in at least three years. Not to mention the talent differential, right? You know, it's like we say, "Oh, we got to recruit better," and then we say, "Hey, we're just not talented enough to compete with Alabama." Well, are you kidding me? What have we had the number one recruit class with what, what, for the last five years? Yeah, they're going to be more talented. They are. And scheme only gets you so far. It really does. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much you or I believe. It really doesn't. We can believe all we want. We can start a campaign, a hashtag, and we can wear a bunch of shirts. And hey, we believe. And you know, your players have got to believe. I believe they believe in the system. I just don't think they believe they could beat Alabama, and it showed. Let's talk Brandon Ruiz. I'm told that'll be a game time decision. You know, like it was last week. And it worked out pretty well last week. He was three for three. And, of course, it uh, looked like he kind of re-injured himself later in the ballgame. So, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Your Brandon Wee is a very, very talented kicker. You know, so we'll kind of see how things progress. Now, outside of that, you know, unofficially, I'm told we've got a clean bill of health. There's always some guys a little bit, you know, banged up this time of year. Always. That's just college football in the SEC. You know, I mean, that's just kind of how things work. But the reality of it is we're in pretty good shape. You know, I would love for Will Rogers to be 100%. And I think whatever he lacks, a little bit in health, he'll make up for with toughness because, that, you know, that's just kind of who he is. you got to be tough, man, to play in the SEC. You do. you got to be even tougher to succeed in the SEC. I want to look at a couple things here with you guys just to kind of share. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid. That was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't Just. For going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice. Or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand. And it should be yours, too. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to the NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Here's some things. Cumulative season statistics. Looking individually here, Dylan Johnson is your leading rusher right now with 173 yards. Jaquavius Marks, 161. I just think Jaquavius is going to have a big ball game this weekend. Now, there was some news made earlier this week about J.J. Jernigan being a top of the depth chart. Listen, guys, J.J. is still the third-team running back. That, the depth chart is for entertainment purposes only, and it, the reaction to some of this stuff is kind of comical. I mean, honestly, and this is no disrespect to J.J. Jernigan. He's a guy that's worked really hard and has earned everything that we've given him. I mean, he absolutely has. But Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks will continue to carry the load for you. It's not like there's been some big jump. It's not like we, you know, we've got a secret weapon we've been holding back. And, again, J.J. plays hard for us. I'm in no way being critical of him. But nothing has changed at running back. Will Rogers has played six games with a quarterback rating of 138. He has thrown every pass that Mississippi State has put into the air this year. 250 completions and 339 attempts, five picks. Three of those came in the last ballgame. Still completing 73.7% of his passes. That's down a little bit. You know, there was some miscommunication last weekend. He and some of the receivers just couldn't get on the same the same wavelength, and I think some of that too is because of that fresh look that Alabama gave us, kind of confused us. You know, there's a lot of option routes involved in this, and the receiver sees one thing, quarterback saw another, and the ball sells incomplete. Will's got 14 touchdowns, 2,162 yards, long of 43. mackay continues to be your leading receiver, though he didn't have a big game against Alabama. 53 catches for the year, 489 yards, averaging 9.2 yards per catch, four touchdowns. 81 yards per game. Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson, second, third on the list. Austin Williams, fourth leading receiver, second among wide receivers, 26 grabs, 266 yards, 10.2 yards per catch. He is, you know, he, steady Eddie is what they call him. Got the one touchdown. Still think he got shorted one. Jaden Wiley is beginning to kind of get back on track and... uh actually averaging a little bit more than Austin Williams. One less catch, same number of yards, averaging 10.6 and four touchdowns. And the fact that he's a little more involved in the game plan I think is great. Malik Keith leading the regulars with 11.2 yards per catch. And that's just being big, physical, and strong and being able to break through some tackles. 22 grabs 246 yards. i would be honest with you, I'd be happy if we got it to him 8, 9, 10 times the ball game. I think he's a guy that can be a game breaker for us. I really do. Uh, Jameer Calvin, 16 grabs, 154 yards, had the one touchdown open the year, 40 yards. I need to get him more involved, too. I don't care if it's on a, on a, on a, on a push pass or a jet sweep or whatever. Is The game-breaking speed that he has, I think we can make some things happen. Again, I'm not you know, second-guessing here. Tulu Griffin, need to see him more involved as well. 13 grabs, 136 yards, 10.5 per reception. Christian Ford, a guy that's come on a little bit, didn't think he had a good game against Alabama, but nobody did. And again, you can't really hold that against him, but he's a guy, too, that is in the rotation. We haven't seen Rai-Rai Thomas in a while. You know, Early in the year, some people thought, you know what, I think you know, he has the potential to grow into the starting next receiver. Not much from him here in recent weeks. Looking at the uh, you know, the defensive statistics here, which I think are always important. Jed Johnson leads your team, 47 total tackles. As a matter of fact, I saw Jed Johnson's mom in Tupelo on Thursday. Nathaniel Watson running second with 42 and also has a couple of sacks to his credit and a pair of quarterback hurries. Fred Peters, your nickel safety, 40 tackles. And you know, he's a guy too. We walked down in the box a lot of times too, so he's out there and run support. But here's the thing too, Fred, and I can say this because they're both Columbia High School Wildcats. We missed some big tackles against Alabama last week. We've got to clean that up this week. Leads the team with two interceptions. Also got a pair of passes defended. Martin Emerson, very, very physical corner. It's, ama- it's amazing to me that Emerson and Forbes have the tackle numbers they do, but that's also a product of what offenses try to do. They try to run wide against us, and Martin and Emmanuel are getting up making good plays there. Uh, Emerson, 34 tackles, and Junior with 31. Saw him yesterday, too couple of picks for Forbes and four passes defended Cam Young a guy that uh, I told you guys beginning of the year he was one of the stars of camp up front he has shown it 25 total tackles which leads all of the Mississippi State defensive linemen right there in the center making some plays got one and a half tackles for loss pass breakup couple quarterback hurries guys a future NFL guy in my opinion Aaron Brule has come on here as of late, 25 tackles, three and a half for loss, had a couple of chances to make some big plays and missed on those, and then other times he has. He had a big sack last week, also a couple quarterback hurries. He's a guy, too, man, that, you know, he's a converted safety, and so last year he's kind of learning on the fly. Jalen Green quietly having a pretty good year for us, Uh, 22 tackles. I guess he's at nickel, excuse me. Who, who knows? Man, they move these guys around so much. But one and a half tackles for loss and then the one pick. That's the one in the end zone, you recall, against NC State on the uh, halfback jump pass. Pretty bad deal there. Your leading tackler among the defensive ends is Randy Charlton. He got off to a good start. He's been kind of quiet here as of late. We need a big ball game from him on Saturday. Tyrus Wheats, the guy that I thought had a chance to have a really big year. His numbers are a little bit down right now. He was unblockable in fall camp. Just 18 tackles right now. Three of those for loss. Got to get him more involved as well. Jaden Crumberty got off to a hot start. It's kind of been a little bit uh, slower as of late. And I think some of that's because Nathan Pickering has been picking up some reps. Matter of fact, Pick, 10 tackles, Crumberty 11. Early in the year, Crumberty was the most consistent guy uh, in there, but um, just quite hadn't been the same. So we've kind of moved Crumberty around a little bit too. You know, he's playing some weak side defensive end as well. Uh, Jack Harris and Sherman Thames got... You know, probably their most extensive action of the year. Last week against Alabama, uh, Jack Harris with now nine tackles. Sherman there with seven. So we're still figuring these things out. You know, Demonte Russell is a guy that we expected a little more from. He's got three tackles, but he was pretty active last week. Uh, we'll kind of see how things progress. But, um, you know, I think it's important sometimes to take an inventory of where we are and kind of who's contributing because it changes week to week unless you're at linebacker and then it's always Jet and Buki. And there were a lot of people within our fan base who had kind of given up on Jed Johnson. I said, ah, oh, you know, he'll never play here. He'll be a career special teams guy. And I remember Aaron Brule telling us in fall camp, the most improved linebacker on the unit was Jed Johnson. And Jets making Aaron Brule look awfully smart right now. Jed Johnson's always around the football. Jed Johnson's the guy, too, that understands what it means to put on a maroon and white. That's not to suggest other guys don't, but the fact that he has grown up cheering for this program you know, it means maybe a little more at times. So happy to see that. And so just wanted to give you guys kind of a, you know, an evaluation of kind of where we are, take inventory of who's doing what and kind of how things are progressing. So uh, that's kind of where we are. And so I mentioned on Wednesday when we did the preview for Vanderbilt, I expect Mississippi State to win this ball game. And I think State's going to win this game, you know, substantially. I really do. I don't think it'll be like it was last year where we need a late defensive play you know, to stop a game time drive. I think state will get off to a pretty good start. You know, when you begin to look at some of these numbers for Vanderbilt, uh, they are not a great team in any respect. You know, of course we mentioned, you know, just averaging 14 points a game, a little bit north of 14 points a game. You know, of course, if we hold them to their season average and we can't win that ball game, we got bigger problems than, uh, than their defense. But, you know, looking at some of these things, these numbers for Vanderbilt too. That's just amazing to think about. You know, the job kind of in front in front of Clark Lee. You know, and of course they'll be patient with him. He's one of their own, but he's a guy too that I think in many respects that um, you know was there to kind of rebuild a culture. You know, not just you know win a game or two. Vanderbilt currently 114th in the country in total defense, giving up 449 yards per game. That's a lot. Get up 29 touchdowns. Excuse me, give 30 touchdowns or 29. Yeah, they give a return too. But yeah, they're they're not doing well. There's not really the thing you look at here and say, you know what, hey, we got something we can kind of hang our hat on. Just not really the reality of that situation. You know, for Vanderbilt. You know, looking at you know scoring defense. You know, you don't you don't have to look too far from the bottom to begin to kind of find those guys there as well. 112. Scoring defense, allowing 34 points a game. We discussed when we, in our preview that, um, you know, that they, they are kind of equally inept on both sides of defense, you know, rushing and passing, but, you know, we don't run it a whole lot. Yeah, but when you kind of look at the, uh, you know, the, the past defense, it's 105th in the country. Now, to kind of put that in perspective, too, because I think, you know, it would be one thing if you're playing a bunch of air raid teams or a bunch of teams that just kind of, you know, the run and shoot or whatever, you know, it just which that used to be really popular years ago. Everybody thought that was going to just kind of revolutionize the game, and eventually it ran out. But, um, you know, when you look at their schedule this year, you know, they have played behind substantially. I mean, you go back and look. I mean, you know, Georgia and Florida – you know, they win those games 62 42 to nothing. You know, they weren't throwing the football late. They're running the football and salting the game away. And many of these games have been rather lopsided. Even Stanford, even though Stanford's a pretty balanced offense. And so the numbers are actually a little skewed favorably. Even at 105th in the country, you know, Vanderbilt is a team that probably would give up more if they were more competitive. And so late in ball games, when, you know, people are, you know, got the bandits in there and playing second and third teamers, they're running the football. They're not trying to run a score up. The game is decided. And so I think it's important to understand there are some plays to be made against Vanderbilt that shouldn't come as a big surprise. They have not uh, been very competitive in teams that, you know, are more talented than them. You know, of course, they, you know, struggle to beat Colorado State, but that's a big road win for them. You know, the biggest one, obviously – but it's the first one. You know, they lose the FCS game to East Tennessee State to open the year. And people are like, oh my goodness, here, you know, here we go again, you know, Vandy. But they put a couple wins together. Colorado State, three and three on the year. So that's a pretty good win. UConn one and seven on the year. And you, if you recall, you know, UConn's uh, only win uh, came against Yale. And that's a mid-major, you know, that's a, that's a 21-15 win over Yale. It's pretty crazy to look at that. They even lost to a winless UMass team here a couple weeks ago. And so, you know, Colorado State, you look at it and say, you know, hey, that's, that's not a bad win, you know, not a great win. But when you're Vanderbilt, any time that you can beat a team that's still in contention for a bowl game, that's pretty good. Now, I think it's also important, too, we're going to get their best shot. You know, Mike Wright's a quarterback. I'm sure they put in some wrinkles for him. He is a guy they do a lot of design quarterback runs with. And so as I asked Zach Garnett and Jeff Phelps, you know, how does that change things? Well, it changed things a lot. You know, Kenny Seals was kind of a statue back there. He is more of a traditional pocket passer. And so the fact that we get the benefit of watching a South Carolina game because Mike Wright started that game last week kind of gives you an idea of how they want to utilize him as a dual-threat quarterback. So it's not like we're just kind of coming in this thing blind – we reviewed those stats on Wednesday. But I think in the end, you know, what you've got to do is kind of what Jeff Phelps said is, you, you know, you've got to kind of make the pocket collapse around him. If you come at him, you know, with linebacker blitzes and bring frontside pressure, the next thing you know, he's just going to tuck it and go. So you've got to make sure you get him on the ground, which probably means pressure from the backside and also to kind of some pocket uh, awareness on the defensive side is that you have to kind of keep him in the pocket and make him distribute the football completing about 50% of his passes. And so, again, I think State wins the game handily. I think the line is still around 21. I can see a 31-10 type ball game. I think State wins this game three scores or more. You know, if we go over there and don't play well, you know, we're going to let them hang around a little bit. I just don't know if they have the offensive acumen to really make us pay. So, if we can avoid the non-offensive touchdown, if we can avoid the scoop and score, the pick six or punt return, you know, I think State's going to win this game. I think they're going to win it handily. And I think we're all going to feel a whole lot better about life on Monday just because we're going to be four and three. And we're going to, you know, kind of clean, cleanse the power a little bit too. And granted, it's not a good Vanderbilt team, but a win is a win. And, when, you know, when you're battling for bowl eligibility, as Mississippi State is, this is one of those games, along with Tennessee State, that everybody says, you know what, those are two we've got. We've got to pick up one somewhere else. So let's go take care of business on Saturday next segment of the show is top 10 list brought to you by close of blair.com that's close c-l-o-s-e CloseWithBlair.com. blair.com if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or looking to perhaps get into a mortgage maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time blair chandler is the way to go blair chandler a longtime friend of mine a friend of the show friend of mississippi state i believe in doing business with bulldogs whenever i can Blair Chandler is definitely that season ticket holder in multiple sports has a place here in Starkville kind of a ballgame retreat for he and his family and here's the thing too it's not I don't want you to do business with Blair just because he's a bulldog I want you to do business with him because he's a bulldog that gets things done in the top one percent close ratio in the country not just in the state not just for his company one percent in the country works for fairway mortgage not a fly-by-night subprime lender We're in the top five mortgage companies in America. And here's the thing, too. Blair tells me this is the time to refi. Rates are down, and in this economy, you never know what that's going to mean. You never know what's going to happen. You know, who knew that we'd be in the the economic situation we're in right now six months ago? And so rather than wait till it's too late, go ahead and make a move today. Go to closewithblair.com. And if you're a Boneyard listener, if you mention to Blair... That you heard about Blair on the show, and many of you did. And even if you didn't, even if you heard about Blair earlier and you just hadn't utilized his services yet, mention it anyway. Because if you tell him that you're a Boneyard listener, and say, "Hey, I'm one of the cool kids, Blair, like you, I listen to the Boneyard," he's going to pay for your appraisal. A lot of fees, a lot of expenses that go along with conducting the closing of a mortgage. It's about a five and five to six hundred dollar value. So text, call today, approach him in any way possible, email him. Let him know you're a Boneyard listener, and he's going to give you the the Ken Folks discount by paying for that appraisal. Blair's phone number, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. That's his number. That's on his pocket right now. And so you hit him up, and he will respond. Uh, you're, you're going, you've are going. you got the insider tip here. Again, that's close of Blair.com. Told you guys earlier in the week that uh, it was Roy's pick today. Roy has been on me, you know, forever and a day about his favorite band. And I believe he's seen them like 20 times. I haven't seen anybody live 20 times. I I haven't. I'm just going to tell you the the truth of it. I've seen a bunch of bands. I've seen Shinedown, I guess, nine times. Seen Motley a ton of times. But um, Roy is a big avid brothers guy and maybe i'm pronouncing that wrong avid 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 brothers he loves them and so he has been on me about doing the list and so this is roy's day and so i'm going to read you what roy said about each of these songs because he is the expert he has loaned me a dvd and he has shared some songs with me. They actually did a song with Chris Cornell, and he knows that I'm a big Chris Cornell guy. So here you go. Number 10, Head Full of Doubt, Road Full of Promise. What a great title. This is a song that started it for Roy. I'm not an award show guy, he says, but if it's music-related and I scroll past it, I'll watch. The 2011 Grammys were on in a collaboration performance by Bob Dylan, the Mumford & Sons, and a band called the Avid Brothers. This was the song they sang. I was blown away by the Avits, and immediately downloaded the rest of their, their most recent album. The rest is history. You've probably heard this song on a TV commercial. So there you go, number 10. Number nine, No Hard Feelings. This is a song that Tab ends most of their shows, the Avid Brothers, most of their shows with the past several years. It's a very deep song about life and death. I used it at my father's funeral when I created a slideshow. I imagine it will be played at my funeral as well. It's not a depressing song. It's about appreciating what's important in life. And we could all use that, right? So thanks, Roy. Number eight, Ain't No Man. Probably one of their most recognizable songs. It is a fun and upbeat song. Number seven, I and Love and You. Another popular song. This is the song that got them into the mainstream and finally on the radio. Number six, Vanity. The great Chris Cornell is a special guest on this song. This is one of the ones that he sent me. They performed this song with Cornell on Jimmy Fallon. I've seen that video multiple times. Chris, of course, the headliner. But uh, still, good vibe to the song. Number five, uh, talk on idolescence or idleness, indolence. Thank you. Talk on indolence. I'm sorry, Roy. I know you have high expectations for me. High-energy song that always gets the crowd hyped up and played live. So there you go. Number four, Laundry Room, another crowd favorite and a highlight of any show when played live. Number three, February 7, a song about getting up when knocked down and starting to live life again. I, you know, I love these descriptions that Roy uses. I mean, I, I love songs of empowerment. I really do. Two, Murder in the City, a song about family, one of the most recognizable lyrics. Always remember, there was nothing worth sharing like the love that let us share our name. Pretty cool. And number one, according to Roy Cimante, my friend, his favorite band, drumroll please, If It's the Beaches. This song is about a relationship going through some tough times. He's trying to convince her he'll do whatever it takes to make her happy. I'll rearrange my plans and change for you. So there you go. Top ten avid Brothers songs according to the resident avid brothers expert roy So there you go roy today is your day and uh roy i'm gonna tell you something guys roy has uh has basically expanded his horizons by doing this top 10 list because uh he'll tell me hey i've never heard of this band he's like hey i kind of like this i kind of like this song and so i had some people tonight stop and tell me how much they love the top 10 list I said, you know what? Hey, I've listened to bands I've never listened to before. I've been reminded of songs that I've forgotten. Love the top 10 list. I would say 99% of our listeners do. Occasionally, somebody will say, hey, Steve, can you move it to the end of the show so I can just like turn it off? Anyway, and guys, no, I'm not going to do that because, number one, it's a sponsored piece. But number two, I love doing it. I love music. And I love being able to share the gift of music with all of you. A matter of fact, when I meet a new friend, it's one of the first things we do. Share music. Talk music. And uh, my buddy Sam Denn and I will be at uh, Bancor South tonight watching Alice Cooper and Ace Frehley and you know what I've never seen Alice Cooper before. So I get a chance to go do that. I know Alice, I love Alice, but I get a chance to see you know a great show. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's music is one of those things that unites us in many respects. And I know many of you don't have the same taste that I do and there's some songs and bands that you like that I don't like either. And I told some of you guys that too. But I tried to get it that I had a little technical difficulty there. So I apologize about that. I guess that's what I get for, for doing a Roy pick. No, I'm just kidding. Roy. All right. So there you go. There's your top 10 list. Enjoy that. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. I just may use it. But I, again, I appreciate so many of you that have come up and shared your, uh, you know, your appreciation for the top 10 list. We started doing that during the quarantine just to kind of have some filler content. Who knew? Over 300 now. Over 300 of this top 10 list. How about that? It's a really cool thing. Okay. All right, so let's get into picking the rest of the SEC. That's always fun, right? And, and I think I've had, I'm having a decent year, but I've missed on – Missouri cost me early on on a couple of games, and that's kind of been the difference in the Jeans Page standings. So this week, it is a really, really easy week in many respects. I don't think there was going to be but one upset. And this might get me in some trouble too. Because I picked this. I think, you know, you've got to be able to kind of you know, ride your gut and ride your own evaluation. So we're going to get to that. All right, so the first game is just a dog of a game. I mean, I mean it absolutely is. It's Arkansas versus Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, Arkansas has lost three games in a row. If they lose this one, there's going to be a lot. Of, I mean, there will be turmoil in northwest Arkansas. Arkansas Pine Bluff, the Golden Lions, they're 1-5 in five this year. I don't know if you knew that. 1-5. in five. They lost to Alcorn 39-38 back in week three. Lost to Prairie View. Uh, lost to Alabama State. And then last week, they lost to Southern 34-7. That's the uh, Southern U there in Baton Rouge. Uh, that happened in Pine Bluff. They have played three road games and lost all three, um, you know, pretty convincingly, I guess you'd say. Uh, they won a game, you know, they won the season opener and felt good about life, and then it, it's been uh, turmoil ever since. This game will not be close by any stretch of the imagination. And the thing that I go back to with all this with Sam Pittman is that in both seasons, you know, we we've kind of seen things wane a little bit. In the um, in the middle part, in latter part of the year, does that mean that they're not they're not being innovative? I mean, you know, Kendall Browse and Barry Odom and those guys they they know you know what's up. But there's something that's just not right with this team. Once teams kind of have a chance to see film, are they not putting enough wrinkles in? I don't know. You know, and last year again we attributed a lot of that to COVID, right? Because they had a bunch of losses to COVID, even Sam Pittman. He set out a game, you know, during quarantine, that sort of stuff. And so, you know, looking back at that 2020 schedule, you know, they open up and they play Georgia really close. And then Georgia puts it on them late. Then they beat us at our place, and I'm still mad about that. I know you guys are as well. And as bad as that game stunk, it was all on us. We drove down the field and threw picks and couldn't finish drives. We had, of course, the pick six, proved to be the difference in the ball game. Well, then they go to Auburn and should have won the game. You know, that's when they had, you had the spike that wasn't. But then they beat Ole Miss, and you think, you know what? Hey, for four weeks, these guys have played pretty well. Yeah, Georgia got after them, but at least Arkansas showed up to fight and just didn't have the talent to pull that thing off. But once we get through that deal, once we get through that four-week stretch, we get through the bye week, they get beat pretty good at A&M, they beat a struggling Tennessee team in Fayetteville. And then they lose out. Florida beat some 63-35. They lose in Fayetteville to LSU 27-24. And that's a bad LSU team. Remember, they finished 5-5 five and five last year. They lose at Missouri 50-48. If I remember correctly, it was a last-second field goal. And then they get drilled by Alabama, and then they cancel the bowl game. And so you lose five of the last six. You get off to that great start, and you get to that open day. You're like, "Hey, we're two and two, but you know we easily should be three and one." And then it just kind of all falls apart. Are we seeing that again this year? I mean, those are the things you kind of begin to ask yourself. You know, how does this happen? What what happens with this team once other people get a chance to scout them a little bit? They begin the year four and zero this year. They've lost three in a row. Now, they'll play Pine Bluff, and they'll have the bye week, and then they'll come in here. And that's a little bit concerning for us, right? Because you know, they're basically going to get two weeks off. They'll win big this weekend. They'll rest starters in the second half. They'll be a fresh team when we go up there and play them. We're not playing here. We played them last year. So we've got to go up there and play them. And that's one, too. They look a little bit vulnerable. You know, so I, think we, I still think that's a winnable game for us. But when you look at how the schedule lays out, maybe not so much. And they'll feel a lot better about themselves having kind of gotten off the schneid a little bit. And they'll be, okay, they hey guys, we're 5-1, 5-3 and, one, five and three now, so we're one win away from bowl eligibility. When you look at the rest of the schedule, though, I don't know that there is a sure win after Pine Bluff. Because after the bye week, they get the Bulldogs, they go to Tiger Stadium, to Bryant-Denny, and then they get Mizzou. And Mizzou, of course, is a defensive optional team. But that, you know, that, they won the game last year 50-48. It could be another wild one again. So, again, I think, you know, when we see them, we're going to get their best shot. They're, they might look at us and say, you know what, this is our best chance to get a win in the second half and achieve ball eligibility. So there's some things to kind of ponder when you think about all that stuff. Okay, so LSU's at old Miss. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm picking LSU. I know I picked against the Rebels the last two weeks, and I don't feel bad about those picks. I respect the fact that Ole Miss found a way to win those games late. I don't think Ole Miss won because of the officiating against Tennessee. I think Ole Miss won because they made more plays. Do I think the officiating was bad in that game? I do. But I don't think it was necessarily one way. I do think the scoop and score should have stood. I thought the explanation on that was ridiculous. But LSU can run the football. LSU could not run the football earlier this year. And now all of a sudden, they have figured some things out. Now, Ed Orgeron, as you guys know, is a line-of-scrimmage coach. This is a guy that understands you got to win in the trenches. A guy that's done a great job over the years putting together great defensive fronts that have in turn put a lot of guys in the National Football League. I don't know if they have a ton of those guys this year. But on the offensive line, they have really struggled. But they figured some things out last week. Now, what's interesting to me, Ole Miss, 109th in the country in rush defense. Now, the granted, they played Tennessee last week without their best player, running back. But they're 109th. Don't you think Ed Or thinking, you know what? This is my final kiss to Ole Miss. Ole Miss putting together a great season. I mean, get the makings of a great season, still got some difficult games to go. But if I'm at Orgeron, I can be a fly in the ointment. I mean, all this speculation about my job is over. Hey, guys, this is our final run together. Let's go get to a bowl game together, take a nice trip, and be done with it. I mean, I, I think it, had they not fired at Orgeron, there was a chance that they could quit on him. Well, I think now that it's all behind them, they can just go relax and play football. You don't have to get any questions about, you know, the future of your your job or your career, you know you're getting $17 million. Ed Orgeron's not going to quit either. Ed Orgeron's a guy that you and I both know, he wants to stick it to Ole Miss. And I suspect that they're going to. And I know that LSU's missing a bunch of guys uh, on defense. So this will be a barn burner of a game. I just don't think that, that LSU can be stopped against that bad run, run defense of Ole Miss. Now, of course, we'll probably have some fake injuries to try to slow things down when LSU goes tempo. But I think an angry Ed Orgeron with nothing to lose is the most dangerous guy. We saw that last year. You know, th- how many of you guys thought LSU would beat Ole Miss last year? I mean, they would, LSU was three and five, excuse me, four and five. And the granny, they just come off a win over Dan Mullen. Well, they just done the same thing again. So all of a sudden, these guys have some confidence. So you know what? We figured out the running game. I think they're going to win the ball game. I think Ole Miss, uh, and again, and maybe this is wishful thinking. You know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss has done losing ball games. And I know people say, well, you know, they scored 21 points in Alabama and we didn't. You know, you know here's the deal. That game wasn't close, man. I mean, don't, don't, don't be swayed by that nonsense. But so they get LSU and then they go to Auburn. And uh, that is going to be interesting. I mean, I mean, it's a winnable game for both teams, but it's going to be interesting. And then Liberty, of course, visits Ole Miss. And and, and Kiffin will, will, will beat Hugh Freeze to death. I'll be shocked if Liberty's in that ballgame. And then A&M goes to Ole Miss, and I like A&M in that game. And then Bandys at Ole Miss, and then they come here. And so, yeah, I, I think they're going to drop a couple of games. But, uh, yeah, Ole Miss in a good position right now. And, again, I think they're learning that, hey, we have the ability to win. I do think Tennessee did a really good job defensively last week, kind of making Matt Corral – be more of a dual-threat quarterback. And if you believe what uh, Lane Kiffin said earlier this week, you know, Corral's still a little bit worse for wear uh, after the ball game. I don't know that I believe that. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. And there's no way Matt doesn't play. There's no way he doesn't play. None whatsoever. But again, I'm taking LSU in the ballgame. I think LSU and Ed Orgeron will find a way to win. And again, maybe that's wishful thinking. Uh, Tennessee at Alabama... Uh, I don't think that this is a close ball game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I think Tennessee folks, you know, the old-timers remember the Johnny Majors days and that kind of stuff, and, you know, they think, oh, you know, this is going to be great. No, it's not. It's not going to be great. I mean, these are two programs and you can say, well, they're going in different directions. You know, Tennessee is not slowed up on the recruiting trail despite the fact that they're under NCAA probation uh, investigation, excuse me, but the reality of it is is that uh, there is a huge talent differential between these two teams. Alabama has won 14 in a row, 14 in a row in this rivalry. And I don't even know if we can call it a rivalry anymore because these games have not been close. I mean, the last time that this game was competitive was 2015, truly competitive. And that was a 1914 win by Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Since that time, let's look at the last five meetings, Alabama won in Knoxville, 49-10. They won in Tuscaloosa, 45-7. They won in Knoxville, 58-21. They won in Tuscaloosa, 35-13. And then last year they won 48-17. And you know that was the thing too. Tennessee kind of hung in there with them for a little while, and then you know the, the talent differential took over in the second half of that ball game, and it was not close. So. This one, I don't think will be close either. Tennessee may keep it close for a while. Because of this current streak, this this 14-game winning streak, you know, the series record has really gotten skewed. Alabama now 57-38-7 all-time against Tennessee. It has been a long time since Tennessee kind of ruled the roost here, and they can thank, you know, kind of Mike Shula and those guys, you know, for that stretch. But, uh, you know, since Nick Saban has been there, it has not been – competitive. And he won't be this week either. I'll be shocked if it is. Final game of the weekend, South Carolina at Texas A&M. You know, South Carolina, of course, gets an important win last week You know, against Vanderbilt. I, I do believe that it's probably South Carolina's last win of the year. I think they're staring 4-8 in the face, and again, that is not a reflection of Shane Beamer. I am really pulling for Shane Beamer. Not just because of the fact he was a Mississippi State assistant or the fact that you know, he's married to our sheriff's daughter. Shane Beamer is a great guy. He really is. And I think we need more good guys in college football. We've got enough, you know, villains out there. But when you look at the schedule, it is very, very challenging. There is not a sure win on this schedule. They're going to go to A&M, and I really believe that environment at Kyle Field is going to swallow them whole. I think A&M wins this game. Uh, I think A&M is on a mission now. I think A&M probably feels like, you know what, we should have made the playoff last year. They're not going to deny us this year. So we're going to do everything we can to make Alabama win out because we're going to, we're going to probably win out as well. I think there's a real possibility that happening. And so after Carolina loses to A&M, then they host Florida. And you never know what Dan Mullen's going to do, but listen, I think the talent takes over in this ballgame. South Carolina then goes to Missouri – Missouri, one of the worst rush defenses in the country. So I think South Carolina might be able to keep this thing closed for a while. And that's probably the best chance that they have for a win. And then Auburn will, will visit Williams-Bryce Stadium and then Clemson. Now, Clemson hadn't had a great year either. They've been really bad offensively. But when you look at the rest of the schedule, could you see South Carolina favored in any of these games? I don't think you can I think if you're looking at this and being objective, I mean, Clemson's now four and two, and uh, have won two in a row. And of course, they've had, uh, you know, they have been offensively challenged all year long. I mean, looking at this Clemson thing, it's ridiculous. Three points in the first game, they blow out South Carolina State, but against Power Five competition, they've absolutely struggled. 14 points against Georgia Tech, 21 points against NC State, and a loss, a team that we beat. 19 in a win over Boston College and 17 in a win over Syracuse and Garrett Schrader. So, you know, defensively, Clemson's going to be pretty stout, and I just don't know that South Carolina can score. But I think if they continue to be anemic offensively, that uh, that could be a bit of a ball game. but I just think in the end, Clemson. So uh, if I had to call it today, I'm, I'm going to say that Carolina's going to lose out. I mean, how do you argue against that? I mean, I don't know that you can I think everybody looks at that and kind of figures this thing. You know, Shane is in year one. And many of these teams, you know, are kind of fighting through some things as well, but they're just more talented. And so I like A&M to win this game. And, uh, you know, we we talk a little bit about A&M and their schedule. I think they're going to run some interference for us. Because I think they're going to beat some other teams that we're in contention and bowl games for. You know, We just got to kind of take care of our own business. But out, outside of this one, you know, I, I think there's not a real road game that I look at here and I say, you know what, that's a definite loss. I think they win everything at home. I, I think the Auburn game next weekend, or excuse me, in two weeks, Auburn at a that could be a really interesting game. It really could be. I, Bo Nix, I don't think, gets enough credit for his mobility. And, of course, his ball placement at times is really, really erratic. And A&M is really good on defense. So I like A&M in that one. And then, of course, A&M goes uh, to Ole Miss. And, again, Ole Miss is going to have to figure out a way to stop that leaky run defense because I think Isaiah Spiller will run all over them. And A&M just needs to get enough stops to win that game. And then Prairie View at A&M, and then they go to LSU. You know, I, I would submit to you right now, just based on what we've seen, AM will be favored in probably every game the rest of the way, unless it's maybe at Oxford against Ole Miss. And that'll be interesting, too. I just don't think it's a good matchup for the Rebels. So we'll see how things progress. I know you guys are excited for another great week of college football, and I am, too. I just wish we had a few more games uh, within the league. But, uh, you know, we've had our bye week, and now some other people are taking theirs. And so. Uh, that's kind of where it stands today so your winners arkansas lsu mississippi state alabama and texas a&m and again kind of going with the chalk here with the exception of that lsu old miss game and I, I just think there are some intangible things within that game you know tyron davis price ran for a school record last week against florida and and obviously florida doesn't have the dudes on defense they used to have but they got more than what Ole miss has i think that's important to kind of consider too all right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I've shared with you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now or moving within our wonderful city, I would move to Portico. Very easy to find right off of 82 on 12. You take the third verse right, takes you to Portico. It's on the best side of campus, just 1.1 miles from campus. Easy, to, easy, easy, easy to get there. And, and why are you moving to Starkville anyway, right? It's to enjoy Mississippi State. It's to enjoy being close to campus, but you're on the best side of campus. You're not on that busy side. You're not up there where all the the traffic is. It's it's great. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath, and up to a four-bedroom, four-bath house at Portico. That great walking trail there, it's wonderful. Now, here's the thing. If you're ready to move right now, you're going to be out of luck because everything in Phase 1 is already purchased. But there are three lots that have been purchased in uh, Phase 2, and the best thing about that, too, is you get to pick your lot and then pick your house plan. You're involved in that process. And don't you owe it to yourself to have new construction? Whether it be an investment property, whether it be your ball game retreat, whether it be your primary residence, you get some say in that. And you're dealing with people that are invested in Mississippi State, that are invested in Starkville. One of the great guys on that residential development group is Brooks Bryan. Long time friend of mine, a friend of yours, man, a diamond dog that robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. The, the picture's out there online if you want to go see it. And I understand, uh, according to his lovely wife, it's framed in their living room. It's like poster size, like they've made a mural on the wall. And who wouldn't? One of the biggest catches in Bulldog baseball history. So give Brooks a call and he'll fill you in on the details and kind of get you going. I think many of you, you know, many people say, What, well, Steve, I'm not ready to do it today. Hey, go ahead and get some information and kind of be prepared for when you are ready to make the move. And you better make it sooner rather than later, because just like phase one, phase two is going to sell out. There's no question about it. Brooks's phone number 601-416-8075. Again, 601 416 Eight zero seven five, and you know what? If you're looking for a home within the Greater Starkville area, and your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico to you, you might want to you know, to suggest it to them. You might want to suggest it to them. It's so new and so fresh. I think some people may think, well, you know, we're just going to go out here and go look at South Montgomery, you know. And it, listen, a lot of great neighborhoods and a lot of houses out there. I wouldn't want to have to fight that traffic. I left, I fled Baton Rouge to avoid traffic. And I don't want to find that any in Starkville either. So Portico, very, very easy access. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, to, to get to 25 and 82. So you, know, you don't have to go out there and, and fight that traffic on 12 uh, to get to Walmart. There's a neighborhood market kind of conveniently located there for you. So here we go. Portico, make it your next move. All right. And so I wanted to go back. We've talked about some crazy games and that sort of stuff. And we've kind of centered around Vanderbilt. Uh, This week, One of the better games for Mississippi State, one of the better wins in this series for Mississippi State actually happened back in 2008. That's right. During the Sylvester Croom years. One of Sylvester Croom's only top 15 wins. You're thinking, Steve, really? Yeah, Vanderbilt was ranked 13th in the country when they came in. They were 5-0 and ranked 13th in the country and just really felt like, you know what, hey, this is probably our year. You know, we're going to go do some great things this year with Vanderbilt football. And they came in here and, uh, you know, had a good team. I think everybody felt like that we were in some trouble. If I remember correctly, I actually picked us to win this ball game. They begin the year with the 5-0 record, and then once we beat them, they kind of, you know, hit the snide a little bit there. And next thing you know, it's a 5-4 deal. They beat Kentucky and then lose a couple more and uh, win their bowl game but finish the year – seven and six uh, music city bowl champions. They got to stay home and beat Boston college at their place. But um, Bobby Johnson did a really good job. Uh, and so that third number 13 ranking was the first time that Vanderbilt had been in the AP poll since 1984, 1984. And it's like, you go back and look at these earlier ball games, you know, they, they beat Miami, Ohio at their place. They beat North Carolina, who was ranked 24th. They beat Rice. And then they beat Ole Miss, which, you know, that, again, that's the rivalry. And then they, the big win for them was they beat number 13, Auburn, in Nashville, 14-13. to 13. And that's what kind of got people excited. Uh, and they moved up from 19-13, to 13, so they get ready to play us. And a lot of people are like, hey, well, you know, they'll, they'll go in there and kill Mississippi State. And it was not a great year for us. It wasn't we, you know, we go four and eight. That's the last year of, uh, you know, Sylvester Croom. But at this point in the season, we were really, really, really struggling. We, you know, we lost Louisiana Tech, we beat Southeastern, and then we had the, the the memorable three to two ball game with Auburn. We lose a Georgia Tech, we lose out at LSU. So we had lost three in a row and really not shown much life on offense. Tyson Lee did some things in relief. Uh, at LSU that kind of people say, well, you know, maybe we've kind of figured some things out. You know, with Tyson Lee at quarterback. And then, well, what does Tyson do? But he comes out and leads us to a, uh, a top 15 win. So let's kind of get through that. We actually got down in that ball game and uh, found a way to get back in it. Scored 14 points there in the second half uh, to take the lead. And even in that ball game, one of the things I remember, too, is that we just we never really felt out of it. it. It never looked like Vanderbilt was better than us. And uh, Chris Nixon was a really, really good player, uh, for sure. Really, really good player. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, it's, it's one of those crazy things, too, that Vandy had some athletes, despite the fact they hadn't had a lot of recent success. And this was a team which kind of all kind of came together. They had some veteran guys and some leadership but 7-3 to three at halftime, and so you think we're just kind of one play away here. You know, we're just, you know, we're just kind of ready to go. Um, and what's interesting, too, is, you know, we had that 3-2 ball game. Guys, this game was 3 nothing with about two minutes to go in the first half. And then Vanderbilt punched in and took the lead. But in the second half, State kind of figured some things out. Tyson Lee with a big game. Uh, found Brandon Henderson for a touchdown for four yards out to give State a 10-7 lead. Demond Glanton, you may remember we had some really good safeties on that team. You know, Derek Pegues, Demond Glanton, uh, Keith Fitzhugh, we had some guys that could really, really play. And Demond Glanton came up with a really big pick in the fourth quarter that set us up inside the red zone. And then Christian Ducre scores, and it is a 17-7 ball game. You feel like, okay – we're in good shape. We're up two scores here in the fourth. Late in the ball game, they bring in Mackenzie Adams, who was you know, kind of the guy that uh, kind of fueled the comeback against Auburn. And lo and behold, Adams kind of catches fire against us too. Put together a good scoring drive, and uh, they score. Jeff Jennings scores to make it seventeen fourteen with just over eight minutes to go in the ball game. Now we couldn't do anything with it, and we ended up having to punt. And then one of the smallest Bulldogs of the era made the biggest play of his Mississippi State career. He didn't finish his career here, but it was a little linebacker named Carlin Brown from Lincoln High School down in Tallahassee, Florida. Kind of a hotbed for recruiting. And Ellis Johnson was the guy that basically signed one guy a year. And so back-to-back years, he signed... One kid, and both of them from Lincoln High School, Carlin Brown, an undersized linebacker. He was actually mentioned in Bruce Feldman's book, Mead Market, as he detailed at Orgeron and uh, that season up at Ole Miss, that Ole Miss offered Carlin Brown. Of course, they denied it later, but Bruce Feldman, of course, refuted those claims with his book. And then the next year, Ellis Johnson went in and signed a defensive lineman named Kirkland Gaines, who eventually did not qualify for us. But those were Ellis's contributions to Mississippi State recruiting efforts, and then Carlin Brown makes a pick late in the ballgame with 3.18 to go at the Vanderbilt 24. And we basically just kind of ran the thing ran the thing down. And uh, there was a possession play late, and Tyson Lee found Brandon McCray uh, to move the chains and eventually gave us a chance to solve the thing away. So Tyson Lee goes 12 of 22 uh, for 81 yards. We grounded out 166 yards on the ground. Anthony Dixon runs for 107 on 27. Ducray then goes for 40. And so, again, it wasn't a great day offensively by any stretch of the imagination, but we found a way to win. We found a way to win the ballgame. And those are the things, you know, at that time, wins were very precious for us and difficult to come by. And lo and behold, Sylvester Croom beats a, uh, a top 15 team, you know. And kind of looking at some of these notes, too, was kind of interesting, too. Mississippi State held Vanderbilt to only seven first downs. That's the lowest total since we held Auburn to seven back in, way back in 2000. MSU defense uh, held Vandy to 107 yards of total offense. Only 62 of it passing. Pretty, pretty incredible to think about that. Mississippi State ran the ball 50 times. That marks the first time a state team rushed for 50 more times since 2007. That was when we beat Kentucky. Brandon Henderson recorded his first career reception and touchdown in the third quarter with a four-yard reception from Tyson Lee. Pretty interesting. Adam Carlson's first quarter field goal moves him into eighth place. Mississippi State history with 36 field goals attempted. Anthony Dixon's 27 rushes for 170 yards moved him into ninth place at MSU in rushing yards. Blake McAdams, you remember him? When I think of Blake McAdams, I think of that big punt against Auburn. You know, we went down to Auburn and beat them, and Blake had an incredible punt. We were all backed up, and he found a way to get that ball off. I still don't understand it. I've thanked him several times. Blake punted seven times in his ballgame for 203 yards. Crazy. So here are a few things of note, too, as we'll move on here. Here are some quotes from – You know, Sylvester Croom, first of all, I'd like to give nothing but kudos to Vanderbilt for what they've done up to now and what I hope they do the rest of the season. To me, they're everything that's good about college football, the way their coaches coach their players play, and I wish them nothing but success the rest of the season. I think Bobby Johnson is an excellent coach. He's got my vote for coach of the year for sure. I'm proud of our players because they won, but I'm more proud for the men that they are. When we started this football season, I knew we were in trouble because I knew we did not have leadership. I did not know how much character we had, and I wasn't sure if we were a team because I hadn't seen it. Last year was last year. Talking about 07 when we went to Liberty Bowl and won. And until I see it, I don't know what we've got. In a lot of ways, the way we have started has served us well. We've taken a lot of criticism for some things of our own doing, and others, they just happened. But the thing I'm most proud of for them for is they did not turn on each other or their coaches. They withstood the criticism and continued to work each and every day, we had our six best practices of the year this week, dating back to last spring over these past two weeks. excuse me, Their attitude was magnificent. They were very physical in practice. They came out and showed that today. We are not the same team we were at the beginning of the season. They are not the same people they were at the beginning of the season. It's happy I am with the win. I'm more proud of what they have been through, the fire, and came out better men. We'll enjoy this 24 hours and get back to work and get ready for the next one. Now, that was basically the highlight of the season for us. Absolutely, the highlight of the season. You know, that that was our second win. We did manage to get a couple more. We lose in Knoxville, 34 to three. We beat Middle Tennessee, 31-22. Then we lose, 14-13. We miss an extra point and a late field goal that basically removed, you know, a lot of margin for a potential bowl game. If we win that bowl game, you know that gives us, you know, four wins with three to play, so we needed to find a way to win a couple. We lose that ball game, then we lose at Alabama 32-7. to We find a way to win on senior day against Arkansas to give us our fourth win, which would have been win number five, and then we had that dreadful day that Friday, after Thanksgiving, where Ole Miss beats us 45-0. And I'll be honest with you, that is the only game in my life, Mississippi State game, that I have left early. I was sitting in the stands. And I wasn't going to sit there and watch those guys celebrate. It was a miserable day. Jevin Sneed, Mike Wallace absolutely carved us up. You remember Brandon McRae had that horrific injury. I think in, I think the only highlight of the day for me is we put Chris Ralph in the ballgame late, and he ran over Jamarcus Sanford and just kind of stood up and looked at him uh, as if to say, you know what? I don't care what the score is. You ain't punking me out. Uh, so, yeah, Chris had some moxie. But um, that was the end of Sylvester Chrome era, and, of course, I think that's, again, the highlight of the season is that we beat a number 13-ranked Vanderbilt. That proved to be by year end really not be for real. They ended up being a pretty mediocre team. But at the time, it was a very significant win for us. And I think it was more of a relief to win that ball game than it was a joy to win it. Just because it's like we can't lose to Vandy. And we didn't. We didn't. And so I commend those young men that were part of that victory. A lot of those guys, a lot of those names that I mentioned, you know, outside of Anthony Dixon – you know, you didn't hear a lot about those guys. You know, Tyson Lee, of course, was the guy that came to Mississippi State as a walk-on. Basically, he took a leadership scholarship, uh, you know, to get here. After he put together a couple of good years there at Atualma Community College. And so, Tyson uh, also did some work with the Bulldog Club. Everybody loves Tyson Lee, right? Everybody does. So, glad he was a part of that. And I uh, just wanted to share that with you. Of course, many years when Mississippi State and Vanderbilt have played, Vanderbilt has not had really great teams. This is not a great Vanderbilt team. But that said, they will come up. They will play physical. I just think in the end, the athleticism of the Bulldog team is going to be too much to overcome. Uh, We've got to win this game. It would be great if we could win it with some style points just to kind of let us all feel a little bit better about life. We really don't need to go up there and struggle. And while a 14-13 ball game still counts as a win, in many respects it would feel like a loss. We really need to go up there and play well and uh, kind of see some semblance of kind of getting back to that form we showed against Texas A&M. And, again, a lot of it's going to depend on the health of Will Rogers. And, again, he's practiced all week. I was told earlier in the week that it was really a, kind of a minor issue and he would be good to go. I've seen the video, like all you guys have, late in the fourth quarter. He was wincing and in a lot of pain. Uh, he's had a lot of treatment this week. And, uh, you know, we, again, we, we fully expect him to come out and play well on Saturday. Well, that's going to do it for today. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you. I had multiple people at the uh, Christmas Village thing in Tupelo today ask about Stark Villain shirts and hoodies. Easy to find, starkvillains.com. They don't sell them at Campus Bookmark. Maybe they will at some point, but you can order them direct and have them shipped directly to your home, starkvillains.com. And listen, hey, guys, thanks so much for your support of the Boneyard and buying all the books. Man, I love it when you guys come by and visit and uh, we get a chance to kind of talk about the Bulldogs and uh, – yeah, it's the thing about long events like on Thursday. You know, things start at 10 in the morning and ends at 9 at night. You know, we've got plenty of time to visit. You know, Friday will be a little bit busier day. But, listen, if you're out there, if you're out and about, come by say hello. I'm happy to talk and visit and talk some Bulldog sports with you. And then, of course, I'll be headed to Alice Cooper and Ace Frehley and then uh, Vanderbilt to cover the ball game. And uh, so, we'll have a good weekend. And then uh, I'll be back with you guys on Monday. And hopefully, we're celebrating the great Bulldog. Uh, victory, And, again, it is kind of a light schedule in the SEC, so kind of pace yourself a little bit. You probably have to go outside of the conference because uh, we've got a couple games that I think are going to be kind of dogs of games. But I think, again, that LSU Ole Miss game could be really, really exciting. And I hope our game is not exciting in any way whatsoever. I think we go out there and take care of business. And, um, you know, I, I don't want any drama in the fourth quarter for sure. So that's going to do it for today. I'll see you guys soon. But until next time, it's all of our lives and a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.